Ladies and gentlemen. What does it mean to be a witch? Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! It's the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 24. We hang out with a guy who ignites culture in everything he does, be it through comic books, television, illustration, writing, and music. We are graced by the absolute genius of Gerard Way. We talk about horror, Ouija boards, the occult, his Umbrella Academy books, and the new Netflix TV show on the way. Find out what he's up to musically and where to get the best coffee in the whole world. Now we're going to the chapel and we're gonna get scary with the nun this is the boo crew podcast what do witches do they're malefic negative and destructive their knowledge of the art of the occult gives them tremendous powers they can change the course of events and people's lives but only to do harm. Hey, this is Gerard Way, and you, my friend, are channeling the mysterious dark magic of the Boo Crew. The Boo Crew, the freshest cuts of new stuff. Here's Sweet Screams. What does it say? Kalian's here. Violet, the Defiler. Whatever happens... Whatever you may see or hear, don't stop praying. Let me out! The Nun stars Thaisa Farmiga, Damien Bechir, Jonas Blaquette, and Bonnie Ahrens, directed by Corin Hardy, whose only other full-length feature is 2015's terrifying fairy tale The Hollow. The Nun is a story written by Gary Doberman and James Wan, with a budget of $22 million, making $131 million opening weekend of September 6th, making The Conjuring Universe the biggest R-rated horror franchise of all Time. Woo! Damn. Nice. Congrats to Mr. Cornhardy. Yeah. Yeah. Could not happen to a nicer dude. How nice is that guy? And talented. And humble. As hell. And smart. And a pretty good singer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He demonstrated his uh, vocal chops. I'm impressed. (laughs) The whole package. And his drawing. It's amazing too. Yeah, as like an his, artist, yeah. his storyboard could be released as like a graphic novel. Yeah. Easily. Totally. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, man. So, what do we think? I loved it. We're on the, the same page with this. There were some great scenes. That was like some Evil Dead shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that, that was, was unexpected. Yeah. That was intense. And then I liked the, on the non-horror moments, like when uh, Sister Irene in Act One's teaching the little kids about dinosaurs. She says it's like scene. it's a sweet little scene, yes. yeah. and you yeah. really like her. So Corinne Hardy draws you in to say, you know, care for this character because shit's about to go down. And then when it does, you, it's for me makes a movie scarier. You know. Yeah, that scene that Tim's talking about said a lot. I thought it was brilliant. Some of the jumps that you though, even when it's in the trailer the demon nun's there and then the demon nun comes in from the side 
and you've seen the trailer, but you still the whole crowd still screamed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love we, we've seen that yeah, trailer, that, but we still screamed. Yeah, you were paying homage to Exorcist Three right there. And I love what yeah. Glenn said about Trevor being like a seasoned horror watcher, and that you were jumping nonstop. Oh yeah, Glenn who yeah. went to the movie with us. Yes, he did. But, he did make that comment. And I grabbed. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you, he was between you and I, yeah, and I grabbed was. his arm. <laughs> a couple times. But Trevor and I, that's why we go to horror movies. That's right. It's we, like a ride, we, man. It's like a ride, and we totally we believe it's real. I think. <laughs> yeah. Right? Hell because yeah. We disengage that part of our brain that says it's not real. Exactly. This movie is exactly that. I gave it a high Rotten Tomato number of a hundred, <laughs> which is like I love no it. movie can do better than this. It's so. well, not, not that no movie could ever get a hundred, but I went like Tim does, goes into a horror movie with the hundred. You're at the scale of a hundred already because it's a horror movie. Someone made a horror movie. Yeah. We all love horror. A hundred right off the bat, and nothing brought it down for me. The set pieces were amazing, all shot in real castles in Romania and Transylvania. It was beautiful. It looked beautiful. You get this gothic hammer horror mixed with some of these evil dead type demon nuns and these creepy gothic horror scares. It was just brilliant and I loved it so much. I wanted to live inside of it. A little bummed that that one scare was revealed in the trailer. I know that has nothing to right. do with anyone, but, right. you yeah. know, making the movie. It's just the nature of trailers because it's such a great scare. Well, uh, right. And there was parts were fun, you know, like when Frenchie sh- is at, in the bar and he's got the big giant cross with him. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. really yeah. funny. And I want to see the father and the nun again on another journey. Something going down yeah. that they got to like deal with. Vatican detective work. That's well, like, who doesn't want to see that? Well, maybe there will be a nun too, maybe. I think so. Well, yeah, after after, after, after this weekend. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> that sense of humor Tim was talking about gave me Indiana Jones vibes because it had that action element to it. And it's sort of like you're going on a quest mixed in with the horror, which is great. And the sense of humor of the movie really started coming out when shit was going crazy. Almost like a Tylenol to relieve the <laughs> the pain of the fear. Yeah. But it was so well done. It was like a maze. Like it made a great horror maze. Mm. There's so many yeah. great, like, as you're saying, like set design and so many great moments. A lot of good jumps to it. And I feel like, oh my gosh, if I was like walking through a maze, they'd be continually be screaming through it. <laughs> I really like the props. They were really beautiful and I wanted lots of them <laughs> yeah where's that key who's has I know. that key yeah. I want that key historic religious props yeah he wasn't kidding when he said there was thousands of crucifixes made for this movie <laughs> yeah dude thousands some facts the demon name Valak is written on the registration of one of the villagers vehicles yes <laughs> at the beginning of the movie and it's also in the playground when we first meet Irene not to get super nerdy techie here, but it's on a periodic table. No way! Uh, yeah, there's a chemistry chart, and it spells out like vanadium. Of course you noticed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why that was there. It was there, dude. I said, why did they put that? Right, exactly, because they showed you that. Yeah, yeah, That's right. I looked at it carefully. I'm like, vanadium, potassium, lithium. Oh, it says Valak. Nah. Juan was doing that in Conjuring 2, I believe, or was it Annabelle? Yes. One it of the Conjuring two. 2. Conjuring 2, and I, I remember noticing it in Conjuring 2, like it was almost too overt, like it wasn't as hidden. Right. I didn't even think to look in this one, but it's, it was a lot more subtle in this one. And That's it also, it also really had fun. a demon's name 
in the opening sequence where you see Sister Victoria. It's on the pillars of the uh, inside what? shot looking out of the uh, St. Carta. Uh, the Abbey. Yeah. How? How is it written on there? It's like vertical letters. Really? Yeah, it's a bunch of like letters and symbols. Yep. Oh my God. I love that though. Because <laughs> now I want to fucking see it again. <laughs> and I probably would see it in the theater just because the scale of those castles and everything would just be it's just so cool on the big screen. Yeah. You know what's cool about that is that when you saw the exterior shots from a distance, I kept thinking, oh, that's CG. And it's like, no, they actually use drones to shoot the high oh, shots wow. of the castle. Dude, that's why I kept looking at that. I'm like, man, that's awesome. I mean, it almost looks like a painting. Yep. That is badass. Almost 100% standalone film. You could watch it not really knowing anything about the Conjuring universe. And if you do know about the Conjuring universe, it's got all this delicious shit to eat up. It gives you that as well. Right. But you could really just enjoy it not really knowing anything about it and still take it in as an awesome ride. Yep. Yeah, Demon and, and it And it ends, <laughs> like, they put a little button on it. It's Conjuring Universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Very ending. Yeah, know. the way that it folds in, if you do know the Conjuring Universe, I think it really rewards you. I agree. It, it works totally as a standalone. However, it also folds into the whole universe really well. And I feel like these movies are starting to tie into the shared universe thing in a really clever Is way. the first one in the universe? Like, chronologically yeah Yeah. okay that makes sense what corin did was amazing i was hoping because the hollow has got this really sinister dark tone to it and i was really hoping that he was going to bring that to the conjuring universe i love what he brought to it yeah i gotta say i'm really happy every single shot interior exterior there was something to look at it wasn't like a wasted moment. He said it was all storyboarded out. Like, yeah, he, he plans that it's shit. It's beautiful, though. It's you know? his DP, you know, uh, Maxine and right. uh, Alexander, you know, dude, just awesome, man. It's mm-hmm. hard to shoot in the dark. Get the details of the shots to build up a scare and all that, you know. They pulled it off, man. You can look at it two different ways. You can look at it one way where it's like, okay, this happens and this happens and this happens. Or you could look at it and realize that there's more to the story. If you pay attention, there's more details there. If you put the puzzle together, it's even more rewarding. Like, there's a lot of misdirection. To close it, we'll do an amen. (laughs) (laughs) Your name gives me dominion over you, demon. And I do know your name. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is one of this generation's most influential and talented creatives. He's a Harvey and Eisner winning comic book writer and creator of game-changing titles such as The Umbrella Academy and The True Lies of the Fabulous Killjoys. He's a co-founder of DC Comics' Young Animal imprint. He's spoken at the Oxford Union. His contribution and effect on the music world remains constant and inspiring, single-handedly creating a shift in pop culture with all he does. The whimsical contrast of dark and light aspects of horror and sci-fi rests in the DNA of all his work like a poison pill. Legendary author Neil Gaiman says of our guest, he knows when to shout and when to whisper and when simply to sing. Ladies and gentlemen, Gerard Way. Yeah. Yeah. 
thank you. That was a, a, quite an intro. Thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks <laughs> thank for having me. Huge, yeah. huge fans. Yeah. So first and foremost, you're obviously super into comic culture. Mm-hmm. You love superheroes. You love all of it. In terms of sci-fi and horror, what was your transformative experience? Was it found in the cinema or in a comic shop? Like so many people, like Star Wars was the big first thing that <laughs> right. kind of gets you into science fiction. When I was in the third grade, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons and that was a really big thing. So then it opened the doors for all fantasy novels and science fiction novels and things like that. And I remember Dune coming out as a kid and right. only getting it to see on video because my parents wouldn't take me to the theater to see it because it looked weird. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was weird. <laughs> so it was cinema and then comics, of course. I was reading like a bunch of X-Men at the time and things like that. Those books always had kind of a bit of a sci-fi element. Did you find yourself gravitating more towards one or the other? Comic books or movies? I gravitated more toward comics, you know. I worked at a comic shop, which was super awesome, and there was a bunch of us, and some of us were like in our 20s, but some of us were like 15, like I was 15 when I started working there, and we would just go to the movies, and it was all about going to see horror and science fiction movies and things like that, and then getting like really weird ones on VHS at a convention, stuff like that back then you would get. That's how we saw like Meet the Feebles, stuff that wasn't released yet, you would just find that way. Yeah, I remember that was exactly how I started finding stuff was fifth generation right, videotapes. Yeah. You know, you could fit like eight movies on someone, someone gave me a copy of Dead Alive and Meet the Feebles on the same tape. Oh, right. I think that's the tape <laughs> the we same. had. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's around. Probably yeah. the same friend. Yeah, we bought it at a convention. Yep. And it had like color photocopied yeah. artwork on yeah. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's how I saw those for the first time. It's the glory days. Mm-hmm. So did you have any particular favorites that you discovered along the way? Like it was really an Evil Dead too. Now I saw that pretty young. It was like playing on HBO really late at night one night and I was up and I watched it. It was interesting. Like normally something like that would probably scare the crap out of me, but it was so fun. You know, I didn't expect that. And then I was like, who made this? Like, what is this? Got to look into Sam Raimi and that whole world. And talk about discovering Suspiria. Yeah, Suspiria. That's my favorite horror movie. You know, I had a really cool friend. He's the one that kind of got me a job at the comic shop named Scott. And he would show me movies all the time. He showed me Phantom of the Paradise for the first time. Nice. And stuff like that. Yeah. So like really young, I got to see all this stuff. And Suspiria was one of them. And I just like loved it. We watched opera and all that, all the Argeno stuff. What did you like about it the most? The color, the fact that it was about witches. There was a lot about that film that was like so different than what I had seen. It was like kind of art house. Yeah, in the way of like Rosemary's Baby or The Shining. It's like got that unsettling. I was actually reading that the dialogue was written for eight to ten year old girls who were supposed to play oh, wow. the girls at yeah. the dance academy oh, wow. and they never rewrote I the never dialogue. Knew that. It sounds a little odd when they yeah. talk to each other. Uh-huh. Not only that, but check the doorknobs in the movie. They're a little bit higher. Oh, usual. are they? It's kind of like to give that impression that these girls are a little bit younger. Oh. Kind of like a young girl reaching up for the doorknob. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that. Interesting. So yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. But yeah. the colors, man, it's like, that's a movie where you don't get the dark black shadows and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, something's in there. You get the blue and red and then you get the vivid blood. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for the, the new one? I saw the very out? first teaser. What was your take on it? It looks great. It looks really intense. It looks mood heavy. 
Yeah. Which is cool. It looks like they took some risks with it. Yeah. And that's exciting. Did you complete the trilogy, by the way? I'm pretty sure I did. By the time <laughs> I got to Inferno, I was like, all right, I, I don't know what's happening anymore. Right. Because Inferno's the third, right? <laughs> Mother of Tears, the third. That's the one with Ozzy Argento. I didn't make it to that one. Oh, it was made like maybe four years ago, five years oh, ago. Oh, okay. Okay. So that explains why. Yeah. And the, the score, though, is going to be a completely different monster this time. Tom York from Radiohead. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. the new one. Hey, yeah. but that Goblin score, man. The yeah. original Goblin score. Classic. Dude, it's just as classic to me as like tubular bells and the exorcist <laughs> that score is a big part of that movie i know that suspiria is based on a true story of the co-writer's grandma who was sent away when she was a little girl to a boarding school and then they were doing black magic there have you had any experience with your travels or writing with anything having to do with the occult or paranormal yeah my brother is really into ghosts mikey, <laughs> <laughs> mikey way is really into ghosts so we would do this stuff like, oh, I remember this one night, we would definitely sit around with Ouija boards and stuff like that oh, on, t- on tour. We were in this hotel, I can't remember where it was, but somebody brought us, what was told to us was at one time the Grateful Dead's Ouija board, it was like that old, and just gave it to my brother. <laughs> I remember we were playing with that. Yeah, my brother's really into Ouija boards and stuff like that. But like, I've always been into the occult for such a long time. I think it all goes hand in hand, like the comic sci-fi movies. And you remember the first time you saw like the Satanic Bible and all this stuff you probably aren't supposed to read. Right. (laughs) But we've been to some haunted places. There's that venue... Have you played it? What's the haunted venue where it has like... In Glasgow? No, um, it's in the... Well, Barrowlands is supposed to be haunted. Ba- oh, Barrowlands is supposed yeah, to be haunted? It's supposed to be like a serial killer was killing people. The people who were murdered are supposed to haunt the dance floor. All right, yeah. yeah. And the venue I'm talking about... And we were there... We Dahmer we... was across the street from it. Oh, jeez. Oh, really? Oh, fuck. Yeah, you've pl- I'm sure you've yeah, played yeah. there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it the rave or something? Right. And it's super haunted. Yeah, the Barrowlands, when we played there, we are like backstage in this basement area and the roof caved in on us oh, what oh, shit yeah. during a show yeah like backstage like yeah part of the roof came down oh my god like oh, water scary. damage maybe but it felt like a it was creepy yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god mm-hmm. it felt like we weren't alone <laughs> <laughs> what else is haunted haunted studios oh for sure we did conventional weapons in a studio that was haunted it's that one where henson is Oh, Jim yeah, Henson's A&M. A&M. Oh, yeah. A&M, and they would talk about how one of the rooms is haunted by Karen Carpenter. What? Whoa. Oh, and then some of the rooms have these crystals embedded into the walls. Some people say it's for recording stuff. So other people say it's something to do with the spirits, because like, they would have sessions go wrong. Something would go wrong with the tape, or something would go wrong with the control board in some of the studios. So those are the stories you would hear while you're working there. Wow. wow. Have you witnessed anything that would make you a believer, like you actually saw something? No. no. Have you ever, Rance done this, it's very scary, reversed the tape, done a vocal, oh. and then hear what you did backwards? I think like maybe a couple times, but... That's just creepy. I mean, sometimes <laughs> just to hear crazy shit. We do that. We're gonna reverse this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was times we would do it on purpose. The first song we ever recorded is "My Chemical Romance." Vampires will never hurt you. We intentionally sped some of the vocals. I, yeah. I did a spoken word, and we would played it back right into the music. And so we were messing with that. Tim, did you ever hear anything? <laughs> like basically, you hear if the words you said make sense anyway backwards, right? Yeah, we would hear creepy shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We should try to run this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
Let's <laughs> put out a whole episode just backwards. Back mask. See what happens. I'll whisper shit underneath and we'll flip it. I want to talk about vampires okay. because they do make an appearance in a lot of your comic books. You got the Draculoids. You oh, yeah. use vampires in song titles, a part of the lore, the Umbrella Academy. Let's talk a bit about how cool vampires are. Vampire, yeah. <laughs> vampires are really cool. Yeah, I was always drawn to them. I always found them interesting. I was a big fan of the Lost Boys. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. That came out when I was a little kid, like a pretty young or maybe like 13 or something. And it had a huge impact on me. So then I became obsessed with vampire hunters and that became the thing. I <laughs> would make comic books up about vampire hunters. And were, then, they, were they very like Van Helsing like? No, they were like usually some dude with like a half mohawk and like a <laughs> leather jacket with spice and some kind of scar. <laughs> when I got older, I would play Vampire the Masquerade. I would play those games. I went to a live action Vampire the Masquerade once. I played a vampire hunter. And so I was the only vampire hunter in this big club in New York City called The Bank. I won't say it wasn't fun, but it wasn't easy. Nobody would like let me kill them. Was it like LARPing? Like live yeah, action role Live action role playing, yeah. Wow. I was 17. Like I was probably too young to what was, be uh, So what was your outfit? I wore an army jacket and I had a t-shirt with a cross duct tape on it. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any pictures of this? No, no. <laughs> that means awesome. yes. And did you have any like anything to kill the vampires with? Um, <laughs> you had like index cards that had your weapons. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no, no wooden people. stakes? I think I had wooden stakes. I think I had holy water. I can't remember what else. My character was also an art thief. So I had a combo. contact who I would sell stolen paintings to and I had to meet her there. And But I didn't accomplish anything. Do you have a favorite vampire movie? Probably Lost Boys. I mean, Lost yeah, Boys is like a perfect, it's a scary yeah. movie, but it's also very 80s, almost John Hughes-ish, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, still, it's, a, good, it's a perfect yeah. aggregate of those two genres, really. Or what about Blade? Oh, uh, Blade's great. Yeah. Yeah. Daywalker. Yeah. Those are some of the best vampire moves ever made. I totally yeah. agree. So good. Wesley Snipes. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and the vampire hunters look cool. Right. I mean, was it Jessica Biel and Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. And which one was that? Three? Three, yeah. Three, Trinity. Yeah. Which was yeah. bad Posey, too. Yeah, Parker yeah. Posey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Vampire. It that's opens with one. the vampires yeah. flipping off the sun. And Wesley Snipes. That's <laughs> yeah. It just sets the tone. That role is perfect for Wesley Snipes. Huh? Yeah. 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 I'm surprised they haven't brought Blade back. I've heard and, tell because it's like yeah. it's a big anniversary. Yeah, it's 20 year. years this year. Yeah, yeah. So he's doing a lot of press about it. I think people are asking. Yeah. It'd be amazing to see. Knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk a bit about the Umbrella Academy. Okay. The interesting selection of characters. You've got the horror. It's got all these monsters living underneath his skin. You have the seance, which I love. A superhero who uses Ouija boards to communicate. He can levitate. He possesses people. But he's also got this background where he's a recovering addict as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a problem. All these characters in Umbrella Academy are kind of like that. Is there something that draws you to those archetypes, that dark archetype? I just like people that have problems because I think everybody has problems. So I've always gravitated towards characters that seem to have some kind of issue going on. Is there one character in particular that is you? There's a bit of me in all of them, for sure. Like, addiction issues, yeah. I channel that into Klaus. Reluctancy toward attention, I put that into Rumor. She's, like, actually the easiest to write. I like writing Rumor the best. That's what uh, George Lucas said about American Graffiti. He was asked, what are those four kids was you? He said, at some point, I was all of them. For sure. And, and you know, and... 
people uh, in my band and people I toured with and people I was on the road with. So there's bits of kind of everybody I met in these characters. When you are writing a comic book like Umbrella Academy or any comic you do, you're also such a talented artist. You collaborate with other artists, mm-hmm. obviously. Do you storyboard them as you're drawing them? Do you write it like a movie script or how does that work? How does that come out? I write a really dense script. In that script, it's usually a panel description. It's usually pretty long and I'll usually set up the composition in that and then I'll usually do the page layout as well with the script. I get pretty involved because I'm thinking about it visually the whole time. I've had really amazing luck with artists and Gabrielle is an amazing collaborator and sometimes he'll take it in a different direction and it's really exciting when he does that. Like he'll change something about the composition of the shot or he'll add a panel. He'll. That's why I love comics so much. They're really collaborative. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Do you set up any of the shots and send that to the artist and kind of draw out scenes that you want him to draw from? Or how does that process work? Well, I'm usually able to put everything I, all the information I need, I can get into a script from time to like, for example, just the other day I did um, cover sketches. So I'll do those. Sometimes I'll get pretty strong ideas of a cover in my head. So then I'll do a cover sketch and I'll send that over. On many occasions, I do that. That and character design sometimes. When I have the time, I'll also design a character that's going to end up in the book. I just had to design a whole bunch of them for Hotel Oblivion because you see a lot of villains in that one. It's all this bunch of old villains returning. And so we had to be like, all right, well, who are the villains? And I had to like sit there and think them all up. Where is it at right now, the Hotel Oblivion, Hotel as far Oblivion. as release date and all I that stuff? I believe it comes at October. Oh, wow. First issue, yeah. Nice. I am finishing up issue six right now. Oh, that's great. Gabrielle's almost about to start drawing six, so we're a little bit ahead, which is great. We didn't want it to ship late. We waited till we had a bunch in the can before wow. soliciting. I read an article, and I didn't realize it was the first Umbrella Academy comic in like 10 years. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. In that long, yeah. Was there any particular reason that that happened like that? You know, life kind of got away from me. I started to struggle in the band, and... um it just became harder and it kind of ended up taking over my whole life and I wasn't really having that much fun doing it and it was very hard. So I used to be able to go on the road and just write all these scripts, but I found myself kind of frozen when we were touring on Danger Days and I couldn't write any comic scripts. Too weird and dark of a time. How far do they go back, the original Umbrella Academy stories? Two years before the first one was published and then the Hotel Oblivion, which is about to come out, it's technically a 10-year-old story. It's changed a lot over the years because there's a few attempts at it. I was like, all right, we're going to do it. And then I start scripting or I start doing something. And then to make it fresh for myself, I had to keep changing it. The same story, but it's told very differently and there's new information in there that wasn't there 10 years ago. And then you've got a big event, Friday, October 5th, part of the Netflix and Chills panel at New York Comic Con. We're going to be getting the update on the TV series. We're Mm -hmm. seeing the chilling adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, The Dark Crystal, Mike Flanagan's Haunting of Hill House. The TV show is going to be part of how involved in the show are you? I could back it up and kind of tell you like what the whole situation was like. Um, So I met UCP, Dark Horse introduced me, Mike Richardson from Dark Horse introduced me, and Keith Goldberg introduced me to UCP. Basically, they developed television. So they sat down and they said, well, what is your goal? Like, what do you want? 
for Umbrella Academy as a show. And I was like, I really want to make a great comic. I really want to focus on that. And I think the show is its own thing and it's a separate thing. If we find the right people, put them in place, I will trust them to their vision to make something unique and special. Hopefully that reflects the source material. So I am involved. My involvement consists of basically reviewing things, giving notes, and then sometimes they listen to them, sometimes they don't. I'm a co-executive producer, so, you know, that requires me to basically view everything and give notes and give opinions on costumes and all that stuff. So I do give input. I don't have like final say over everything and I handed it over to Steve Blackman, the showrunner, who's awesome, and he's got a vision, so I don't try to get in the way of his vision. How exciting is it going to be to see all these characters come to life for you? That's for sure exciting and super strange. I went up to uh, Toronto, and they shot the first week of shooting, and that was a trip. When we were sitting at the first table reading, that was wild to see all these characters, and they're just sitting there. Super weird. Are you allowed to say if it's a whole new original story? Is it based off the stories in your books? It's based off the stories in the books. Wow, cool. Yeah, that's been the cool part they've really drawn from the source material and are continuing to draw from it because they kind of know what's happening in the next few umbrella academy graphic novels they have the kind of scoop on that and so they're working toward that oh my god i want to see i want to see all those babies being born (laughs) (laughs) the way they handle it is really cool what are your thoughts on horror becoming such a part of mainstream media and television we've got four kids i know you have a child you got vampirina on disney Mm -hmm. there's Monster High, right. there's Hotel Transylvania. There's oh, a, it's an interesting time for, you know, kind of dark entertainment all over the place. Walking Dead, if you're going to ask you older. What's your take on that? Is there a reason that you think it's back? I mean, I kind of feel like anything that was underground, let's say, 20 years ago, it's just eventually going to come to the surface. I guess take a look at whatever's super underground right now, and then eventually they'll be making movies about it. I think we're like eight years away, maybe, from a Warhammer 40K movie. At <laughs> 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 this stage of the game. You know, because I guess that would be considered super niche and nerdy, yeah. but it won't be <laughs> at one point, you know, so, but I think it's great for horror and science fiction and all that. It's a great time for creative people. Everybody needs a lot of content. And I think that that's super awesome. You'll start to see everything. I mean, they made Umbrella Academy. They're making a lot of stuff. <laughs> They're just making it. I saw that Jeremy Slater is a part of that. Jeremy Slater is super awesome. He wrote the pilot. Oh, and cool. he helped sell the show, but he was um, stuck contractually on The Exorcist. I know, that's, that's where I'm known from. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. Show, and I, I love show. Jeremy. Yeah. He did an amazing job. He really was true to the source. He like, adapted it. And he was a big fan of the source material. You're doing comics, TV. I know you directed an episode of Aquabats a few years ago. Mm-hmm. What does a day in your creative life look like now with all these different things that you're doing? And are you dipping into something different every day? When you get up, what do you like to approach first? Wow. So I have a lot of different jobs and a lot of different projects. And I basically kind of have a system, you know, we all get up, get our daughter some breakfast. I take her to school. Like we also feed the cats and (laughs) kind of come back and then uh, go into the studio. And I've just recently picked up starting to do transcendental meditation again. So I'm doing that during the morning and afternoon, which is cool. And then I just kind of start and usually something will have priority. Like right now it's the Umbrella Academy scripts. 
but it is a lot of hopping around. I'll have to design a character, so then I'll just grab all my drawing stuff. So a lot of stuff is within reach. I also have a studio to make music, so it's all like in this one structure, and it kind of all happens there. Like I have whiteboards, and I have tools to kind of do whatever I need to do. What's your favorite instrument to create music with? Guitar. Yeah, that's what I always used to do when I was younger, and I just love the guitar. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah, I love it too. Is there one craft that inspires the other? They all typically. Do. It's all kind of circular. All the art feeds each other. Just sometimes you, you wake know. up and you're like, man, I want to draw something. Or you go, I want to play music. Do you know what you want to do when you, you know, after you have your coffee or whatever? Right. <laughs> it's kind of whatever pulls me. If something pulls me away from what's prioritized that I need to do, that's usually why I end up late on stuff. <laughs> I and mean, there's always stuff pulling me away. Like there's like a book I want to write and like there's all these other things I want to do and it, they yank me in other directions. But I try to stay focused on what. That's cool, man. Doing. You're living the dream. Man. I really, truly <laughs> yeah. am. I'm extremely lucky. I get to wake up and make art that people will like enjoy and support me to make more of it. I'm truly fully aware of how lucky I am. So we had Ash Costello on the show yeah. and she talked about this amazing coffee maker. Oh yeah. <laughs> like she was stoked about the coffee maker. Yeah. <laughs> she a good 10 minutes talking about the coffee maker and that like she couldn't push the button to buy it and that you did it for her. I, I really want to know about this coffee maker. It's called a Mocha Master. Okay. And it is the best drip coffee maker ever. We don't even have fancy coffee anymore at the house. We just wow. straight up Starbucks grounds. <laughs> wow. In this coffee maker makes the best drip coffee. <laughs> nice. Where do you get the mocha? <laughs> you, get, you get it on Amazon. Okay. I like buying for people's gifts. <laughs> yeah. it's the best it really is the best we still have ours Lindsay found out about it and she got it for me for Christmas one year and we've had this one now for like five six years no it lasts it. it lasts see yeah. this is awesome so I have one in the house and we have one in the studio and Ash had some of the coffee from the one in the studio are you doing that a lot right now writing with other artists from time to time is that something you enjoy doing I do enjoy it uh, not very often it's cool like it was fun um working with those two from New Year's Day and yeah. it was it was it was cool because I kind of like they're both really talented and you could tell their hearts in the right place they're very sincere they just kind of wanted to have a good time and make right. something really good and so that was fun it's like luckily you get to work with people like that when you record are you running the faders like do you need an engineer or, or can you run like a pro tools or I have a there? very good friend that's an engineer I can't do any of that cool. stuff can you I could run a basic pro tools you can situation yeah I can't but anything heavy lifting, yeah, I got to get an engineer. Yeah. Are there any new horror movies that you've seen that you would recommend? Well, here's the thing. I'm like super bad at watching stuff. I really have a hard time. Um, I can't really watch TV. It's really hard. Lindsay made me watch all Breaking Bad. Oh, cool. <laughs> I still haven't watched Breaking Bad. And we marathoned Bad. it. And it, wow. It's the only way I was going to make it through is if she forced me. <laughs> That's a dark it. world. Yeah. Dark world. Yeah. yeah. To be in there for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a hard time going to the movies. I only go to the movies with my daughter. I take her to see stuff. Oh, cool. I don't awesome. really get to go. Yeah. And that's super fun. I enjoy that. So my exposure to film is usually Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. yeah. That's right. We saw that yeah. on the cruise. 
news. That yeah. Was yeah. yeah, the <laughs> last one, it was so good. Oh it my was gosh. fun. I liked all the different locations and stuff and scenarios in that one. Yeah. yeah. A lot of different stuff to look at. What other movies do you check out with your daughter? Have you been like pushing it? I'm not sure how old she is. but We uh, showed her The Goonies oh, when wow. she was about five and she loved it. She's interested in old stuff because that stuff's like kind of cool to kids now, like retro stuff or stuff that looks like 8-bit. Like right. they all like Minecraft. Exactly. Stuff. But we show her cool stuff. Oh, she really likes Napoleon Dynamite. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. We watch That's that a lot nice. with her. She's really into that one. That's amazing. She Has wanted she... to start drawing because of that movie. Really? Oh, wow. Because of his drawing. He's a liger. That's right. She's like, I want to be that good one day. <laughs> you can. <laughs> My son who's six is like big into Walking Dead all of a oh, sudden. Oh, right. And it's because he's just grabbing the iPad looking for zombie stuff. And then, yeah, so he's watching parts of Walking Dead. And we took him through the maze. They have a Walking Dead maze at Universal Studios. It's up all year round. And he's already been through that. Oh, I wow. think we're uh, damaging him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, I saw Night of the Living Dead when I was six. And oh, now I turned out all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, my brother and I were exposed to horror at a pretty young age. My mom was really into horror. Was yeah. there anything that scarred you guys when you guys were young? Like, you watched it, like, that was fucking terrifying. Nothing really scarred us, but she, my mother had this collection of dolls. Oh, man. <laughs> you could probably imagine what that was like. <laughs> they were super scary, and they were all held in this one room in the house in these glass cabinets and it was the dining room basically to get from the family room the tv room to the kitchen you had to go through that room so we'd always like throw in the lights and run (laughs) (laughs) i think i was even doing that even like at 16 (laughs) i was just so used to it at that point like oh that's how i get through i run (laughs) what did you think they would do some of them had teeth So I thought they were going (laughs) to chew our flesh. (laughs) Like porcelain dolls or what did they? Yeah, porcelain dolls. Yeah. Some of them were. Yeah, with like hair and they had little teeth and and their eyes were glassy and dead. And so she liked creepy stuff like that, my mom. So that was cool. She she would rent like horror movies to show us every once in a while. It was was really cool. Does she have a favorite? I think I'm going to guess that it was The Exorcist, but I'm not sure. Do you remember watching The Exorcist for? the first time yeah it was amazing i was old enough though i wasn't too young i think it was in my 20s when i saw it i'm embarrassed yeah, me, me too <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. for some reason i just didn't get around to it yeah. i think it's because yeah. the kids in my neighborhood had older brothers who would use it to taunt them and then they would say i don't want to watch that movie so it never got to me because that, <laughs> that was my filter the other kids older brothers that's how we saw all the movies my parents wouldn't let me watch I'm gonna ask you about comics is there any horror comics you like or comics you can recommend Ooh, horror comics well i love hellboy i didn't quite get hp lovecraft when i was a kid which is a shame because we used to play call of cthulhu at the comic <laughs> shop yeah. and we tried to play it like D&D and it was really you can't do that you basically just get killed so now many years older and having graduated college and read a lot more books like now I'm like oh, I wish I could play Call of Cthulhu again so it's not a comic but there are a lot of comic adaptions of his stuff which I'm just getting now and checking out Hellboy kind of reintroduced me to H.P. Lovecraft kind of got me back into that stuff I think that's a really cool one I mean that obviously a lot of people love Hellboy is there any comic book character that hasn't had a movie yet that you think would make a fucking amazing movie oh maybe flaming carrot have you read flaming carrot oh, god not I me have. you that have like a crazy movie yeah i mean they already made mystery men mystery men right. were in flaming carrot remember 
the heckler? The heckler, yeah, I love the heckler. They make everything now. They really do. There's one graphic novel I've heard you talk about. You actually pulled it out at some point. Maybe the biologic show? That's it. Okay, Al Columbia is really interesting, super talented, not really in the public eye very much. There's a limited amount of work. I believe he still does work, but in terms of like a comic that basically is very much a horror comic, biologic show, I would consider that. There's only two issues. There's like an issue zero and an issue one, and they're really hard to find. What happened? Why isn't there... I don't know. I can't remember the last time I've done some research on him, but my wife had found some original artwork of his through him. Oh my God. And so we were in touch with him for a little bit. I should, oh, wow. I, should I really want to reach out to him again because I want him to do a Doom Patrol cover. Oh, that'd be awesome. You should look up Al Columbia. They have that book, Pim and Francie, though, that talks about his art and then deals with those strips and stuff. So that's an available book right now, I think Fanographics makes. He does like little shorts in Zero Zero. And fanographics publications like that. What makes it horror-centric? It's kinda. like a lot of body horror. Wow. A lot of um, borderline satanic stuff. His work is very black magic. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. It had a huge impact on me. The only place I've been able to track him down is on eBay, and you're spending over yeah. like, almost 200 bucks. Yeah, an there's, issue a, for it. Yeah. there's like a nod in a Hotel Oblivion to his work in the very first issue. There's like a direct nod to wow. stuff he's done in Biologic Show. Yeah. Since Halloween is on the horizon, do you like to do haunts or anything like that, like Universal Horror Nights? or? Well, you know, we just really look forward to taking Bandit out trick-or-treating. Last year, she was Metatonic from Undertale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was super fun. And I think she wants to be another Undertale character this year. So we just look forward to that. But I can't go to like haunted houses. Like, <laughs> you can't do it. Like real ones I could go to, you know? <laughs> like for research purposes. Right. You know? right. But I can't go to like those houses where people in costumes will jump at you and do stuff. I can't. It freaks me out too much. Yeah. Do you dress up as a family I was Captain Phasma one year oh, cool. before I like saw the movie though. <laughs> Creative license. So, yeah, yeah. I had much bigger dreams for that character. Uh, <laughs> Just put it that way. I went all in on Captain Phasma and You committed? I committed. Got the figures and the Funko Pop and <laughs> Do you have a favorite Halloween candy? It was just cool when you'd get a full candy bar. That's kind of what everybody's looking forward to when that happens. <laughs> I love the skit. I think it's Jimmy Kimmel that does it where the parents pretend that they ate all their kids oh, yeah. candy. Yeah. Yes. And oh the gosh. kids like flip the fuck out. You should do the Switch Witch. Have you heard of oh, that? Oh, we do the okay. Switch Witch. Switch Witch. Switch Witch. Yeah. Yeah. What's the Switch Witch? Well, yeah, what is that? Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. For us that don't have kids. Basically, it's a book that you read and you get this little witch and the witch says like if you leave a bunch of candy i'll switch it for something like my kids usually want like a toy a small right. toy or right. money oh. so usually that's what we do like she comes the month of october and she just hangs out watching them and they think it's kind of like the elf on the shelf but yeah the halloween version mm-hmm. and take the budget of the uh dental yeah yeah it makes sense it's a great way to get all that candy yeah. <laughs> yeah. curious about tm because i actually grew up in the tm my parents are teachers oh cool that's so amazing i grew up in that world and i don't get to talk to too many i'm curious how you got turned on to it david lynch yeah i'm a big david lynch fan and he was just kind of always talking about it i sang with duran duran at a thing that david lynch shot 
Do you remember oh. that thing he did? He shot them live for American Express. Oh, wow. And I did I Planet think... Earth. It was super cool. Like, wow. I can always say that I was shot by David Lynch. <laughs> 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 Makes me happy. But I had a trailer there, but he needed to use it because he needed to do his TM. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the first time I had heard a TM. He had to do it two times. And I it just had a pretty big impact on me. So after that night, I went and did more research about what it was. And uh, I kind of went for it. And... Yeah, went nice. to the center and took the class. And Did you go to his plates, the no. David Lynch Foundation? No, I went in Los Feliz. Oh, Los, yeah. Is it Los Feliz? Yeah. I screwed up. You know, I have a big debate about this, actually. Okay. Which is, because I have friends who say Los Feliz. They're trying to honor <laughs> the, you know, the... Don Feliz. I say it's Los Feliz because you don't say Los Angeles. It's a point. good point. <laughs> right? Good point, yeah. yeah. Okay. But anyway, yeah, the one on Hillhurst there. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, that's it. It was really helpful. It really does help. I fell off track from it for a while, but I just started again. It happens. And a lot of creative people I've met swear by it. Mm-hmm. What does it do to the creative brain? It's supposed to do a lot for the creative brain. I feel like it gives you more space in your head. Interesting. kind of what I feel it does. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It feels like it clears out a lot of unnecessary waste and garbage in your head. For me, it feels like it quiets the noise a bit. And it gives you this burst of energy, too. So if you do it twice a day, like, you kind of have like a great run in the morning after you do it. And then in the afternoon to carry you through the rest of your day, you do it in the afternoon and then you make it to the finish line like at five or six. What is the next thing people are going to be able to see or hear you on? There's like a few conventions. I know I'm going to North Carolina Comic Con. Cool. Cool. And and that for sure. We're working out in New York right now. Then there's possibility of another con in December I might do. But after that, I'm really keeping my cons down low like the number really low musically i work on stuff every friday so what i wanted to start doing was to just start putting out a song at a time as soon as they get done oh cool since i yeah since i do so many other things that it's like i can't dedicate the time to make an entire album right now because i have too many other jobs but i could just do a song and then we just put it out we don't have to wait for the pressing plant or anything you just kind of get a song out and See what happens. Maybe when you got 10, you do something with them, make a vinyl or something. I don't know. But it felt good to just start making music again. Is it a censored process at all? Or is it really freeing? Is it just put out whatever comes out that week? Kind of whatever comes out that week. I've been really getting into like fuzz pedals a lot. I have a pretty good fuzz pedal collection. Oh, cool. (laughs) And uh, a favorite. I play guitar, so I'm curious. There's a lot. Right now, my current favorite is a laser cat by noise kick fx that's my favorite it has a really distinct fuzz sound it's not like overboard it's just a really unique sound it's not a fuzz sound i've ever heard before oh okay is it based on like germanium or, or silicone or that's uh... a good question i don't know but i have a green sovtech russian big muff and that i had since i was 16 or 17 and nice. i still have that pedal that's one of my favorite go-to pedals things gold man yeah i love it and i know you're showing up on well your wife's singer in mindless self-indulgence has a solo yes, album coming out that's right and i believe you show up on a track on that album I do show up on a track yeah awesome so, that's yep, awesome jimmy's album All right, man. Well, we are excited to see and consume all that is coming out from you in the next little while. It's a very exciting time. The comic books are amazing. Thank you so much for creating them. No problem. So cool. Thanks for reading them. Thank you. And thanks for coming and being here, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, dude. Yeah. 
was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 24. Special thanks to our guest, Gerard Way. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Gerard Way and GerardWay.com. Go pick up his graphic novels, The True Lies of the Fabulous Killjoys, Doom Patrol, The Umbrella Academy. Series returns with issue one of Hotel Oblivion on October 3rd and continue to be inspired and enriched by his amazing music. I'm going to go do exactly that right now. What an awesome time with Gerard. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, Chopped and Sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. It's time for this boogeyman to boogie.